Hello, you are listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Audubon, Louisiana. And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore Retreat. Happy Thursday. Yay, who dat? Who dat? I feel like now we have to talk about that yeah. because it's going well. It is. I mean, I was a little nervous in the last game, I have to tell you. Okay, I was there. And oh, I, yeah, I right. do not like stuff like that. I uh, I love spoilers. Uh, I read all the websites, Reality Steve, anything. I will read the end of a book first. Like I'm not even kidding you. And then I'll go back and I'll re- I can't stand that. And I was sitting in that chair and I was like, I might die right here. Was there like a pin? You could hear a pin drop, right? Yeah. Before the intentional yeah, grounding cause, call. Because we've been burned so many times before. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> but it was actually it a super out. exciting yeah. game. What a great way to like kind of lead into Mardi Gras short season. So we still have this fun Saints thing going on. Mardi Gras is coming up. And so it's all happening so fast. So much going on. Here's to all those hoodats that Hoodat. have had a, that had a, uh, oh. That went upriver. You mean to, freeze? Yeah. To freeze. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I hope they have a lot no, of Saint like, scars. And, I'm like, uh, you yeah. have to get to the dome. It's I know. Very cool. I know. They're like, use the walkways. <laughs> Apparently, they have uh, walkways right? that just connect yeah. the buildings in Minneapolis. It's so cold. Yeah. It's like negative one. Why would you? Yeah. Right. I don't know. I have family that lives there, extended family. Bless but, their hearts. Yeah. I don't know. I like to visit in the summer, but that's about it. But anyway. Here's to our saints. Um, we're, you know, wishing them well. One, let's go one more week. Yes. Come on. Yes. Um, what else is going on? It's been a busy week for yeah. the coast. Yeah. So we had our annual plan meetings where uh, we talked about it last mm-hmm. week. And You were and, in Homa. Um, well, so oh, well, I went to Belchase. Yeah, Belchase. Yeah. Right. And then uh, Victoria from Restore mm-hmm. Retreat went to Homa. Uh, I did peek in on Lake Charles last night because CPRA does do Facebook oh, Live. Oh, yeah. That's so cool. So, you can watch it yeah, from Facebook. Yeah. So uh, I got to watch our next guest uh, for the second and third um, show if you will. Um, so it, it sounded like it all went really well. We're very glad to have uh, Jason Lynn close on the phone with us. And then we're going to have one of our colleagues who's been around um, the annual plan and, and knows all the details. And so Jason's our play-by-play and Cynthia's going to be our color. Oh, there we go. Yes. All right. Going with the football theme. Well, and so, excited to have two first-time guests as well. Yes, yes, yes. It's been a long time. So uh, let's just go ahead and welcome welcome Jason to the show. Hey, Jason. Hey, Simone and Jacques. How are y'all doing this afternoon? Good. How are you? Uh, I have to go ahead and say who dat. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Doing well. <laughs> Jason, um, you would be very cold in Minnesota, yes? Are you a, a cold weather fan? You grew up I, I down here, right? I a cold right? weather fan. Yeah, you ain't. I, I did. Yeah. I, I did, but I, I cannot handle quite that, that amount of cold. A little bit of cold is okay, but that, that's kind of a whole nother level. Yeah, we yeah. just start getting below 30. It's like not fun anymore. 30? I'm talking about like 50 up in <laughs> No doubt. Well, Jason, welcome to the show. You're a first-time guest. We're so happy to have you. You're the Deputy Executive Director of CPRA. You've been at CPRA for a little while now, uh, an LSU grad, an Opelousas boy, right? That is correct, yes. Born and raised in St. Landry Parish. Uh, I've started at CPRA in around October of 2011. I was very fortunate to start off in engineering at CPRA, and then and then also very fortunate to be given another opportunity to move up to that deputy executive director position. So it's been a phenomenal ride. We, we have a, a great group of folks who really enjoy what they do. It's a small organization, only about 170 folks, but I can tell you each one of them is very passionate about what we do in restoring the coast, and we work with some fantastic partners. And anytime we have an opportunity to share 
our message, what we're doing, and talk about our work. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. So thanks for having me. Well, I think I'm so glad you mentioned about the staff. So they're all amazing. I, I, when I go to CPRA, um, I like to think that I know everybody there, um, and I stand by the elevator and I talk to everybody. But 130 people for a state agency is really small, but y'all are really nimble. And so, uh, yeah, credit to you guys. Y'all have an amazing staff. And so uh, they're always very responsive. We've had several of them on the show. We've actually stolen a couple of them from you as well. Um, so sorry about that. Um, so I do have to ask you this one question, and I was told by uh, someone special to ask you this. You're from, like, the parish, but the parish of Baton Rouge, right? So, like, is it Livingston, right? So. That, that's correct. We, I do live in a suburb, you know. So I mean, I've got some ties. Do y'all have a cute nickname for Livingston like that, or like the parish? No, I, don't, I don't know. I think they're still working on it. Now <laughs> I've heard a couple of folks that I work with have got a couple of nicknames, but I mean, I always correct. <laughs> I don't think we can share just, those nicknames. So let's keep no, this on the up. We're, we're not going to share them. We're just going to say that we're a happy suburb, and they're they're good people that live on the east and west side of Baton Rouge and all over. So. So, I'll leave it at that. So we've been working, uh, you've been working really hard this week. You've had something to do every night, a little thing like an annual plan meeting. So, yes. so tell us a little bit about that. What is the annual plan and what's the process behind it? Tell us all the details. Sure. Yeah, so so basically the annual plan, We uh, people hear a lot about our the state's master plan. So that's something that we did in t- 2017. And I think some folks have probably visited on the show with you about the master plan. The annual plan is actually the plan that we use to really start looking at projects and funding associated with those projects. So it's something that we publish every year where we actually go through line by line and list all the projects that we anticipate trying to fund in our fiscal year. So that fiscal year, the state fiscal year, this plan, July through June. So in other words, we're, we're projecting out a little bit. So it takes a lot of work and a lot of effort from our folks to try to say, you know, what, what money do we have coming in? How do you assign that money to those different projects? But the plan is really, it's really a snapshot, and it's a three-year outlook for our work. So the, the fiscal year 2019 is very detailed, but we also provide some additional information for fiscal year 2020 and 2021 in this plan. So as you mentioned, we've kind of been on a roadshow this week, which has been fantastic. We've got some tremendous feedback. We visited with legislators before we did this roadshow, but the, uh, the, the stops this week have been very good. We were in Belchase, Homa, and Lake Charles really got a chance to visit with the public and, and talk to them about the plan and really inform them about some of the projects that are coming up in their area. So, again, it's a, it's a, it's a very busy time for us, but it's also a fun time to be able to talk to folks about our, our work and obviously solicit comments about, you know, what we're going to be doing in the next year. And we'll talk, I'm sure, I'm sure some more about, you know, how we solicit those comments and something that, and how we use to incorporate into the plan. Yeah, we definitely want to get into, you know, how the public can learn more, maybe where they can go to access the plan, provide comments. But first, let's dive in. So what um, is in the fiscal year 2019 plan? What are some of the expenditures? Sure. So, Jacques, right right now, the fiscal year 2019 plan includes about $562 million of uh, expenditures. So what that means is that we, we have a very diverse funding structure that would take, you know, quite a few radio shows to go through because it's uh, we've got a lot of different federal partners and even have some state uh, funding that comes in as well. But I mean, what it is, it's a culmination of all those funding streams put together. So $562 million for 170 folks is just a huge challenge, and it's one that, you know, we, we take very seriously. So I mean, what's in the plan? I mean, the eastern region is has, has a lot of work going on, and we have we have the Lafitte Tidal Protection Projects, and, uh, projects on St. Charles, and the Violet Canal North Levee Projects. And then the big projects that we have that we, we, we've been planning for for a number of years are our sediment diversion projects. So we have the Moorpaw Diversion Project, which is also a freshwater diversion, and then two big sediment diversion projects, the Mid-Barataria 
and the Mid-Breton. So those are significant projects. We have protection projects. It's a great blend of restoration and protection. So, again, a tremendous amount of work that's going to be occurring in that region. A lot of dredging, a lot of marsh creation, and then, again, our, our big kickoffs on these diversions. And we're so excited to be at this point and really trying to get these projects moving forward. That's great. And, you know, those are projects that obviously we focus a lot up on in our um, roles. And also we've had folks from CPRA on to talk about the diversion projects. And so we're great to see that. It's great to see that movement. Um, and from what I understand, you know, there's, a, I mean, the vast majority of the expenditures in the plan are going towards projects and they're project related. Is that correct? That's correct, Jacques. And I mean, that that's a tr- fantastic point. And I mean, one, one of the things that's very difficult, you know, with the financial document is trying to go through. It's very tough to get in front of the public and not put, you know, a lot of tables and a lot of graphs because, I mean, you're talking about finances, you know, but I mean, there, there's a really clear way to break that down. And what we do is we kind of break up our work into about six categories. And I'm not going to talk about all six, but I, I do want to talk a little bit about how we do that. So we list uh, mainly that the main categories are things like construction, which is which is funding associated directly with the, to the construction of projects. We have planning phase, engineering design phases, and then operations, maintenance and monitoring, and then other costs. So one of the things that we've often said and that we did say this week a lot is our, our main role for this agency when it was set up in 2007 was to build, design, and get these projects on the ground. So construction is something that we really, really push and really make a significant effort to try to do as much as we can. We've had years where we've had as much as 60 and 70 percent of our work in construction. So all that money, revenue coming in, expenditures going out, that's a lot of, a lot of money that's going towards construction. This year, it's a little bit lower. It's about 51%. But the reason for that is that we have a, trim, a, a lot of expenditures that are going towards engineering design of the two sediment diversions. So again, that, you know, kind of it, it, it changes every year. But again, that, that green area that you see in the plan is specifically the construction of our projects. And it's something that we, we focus a lot on. Well, Jason, if you hold on with us through the break, we want to talk a little bit more about some of the things that you have planned. But we also want to take a look back on some of the accomplishments of CPRA in the past year. So if you don't mind hanging Great. on with us, uh, you're listening to Delta Dispatches on 990 WGSO. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Don Cheadle. Listen up. I want to talk to you about something important, the Environmental Defense Fund. EDF isn't like some of the other environmental groups. EDF works together with those on both sides of the issue. Despite all the fighting in Washington, EDF has found ways for both parties to support real progress. That has made our air and water cleaner and the products in our homes safer. So not only can our planet prosper, so can our future. Go to edf.org to see how you can help. National Wildlife Federation gives voices to the wildlife conservation values that are part of our country's heritage. We are charting a new course for wildlife that our children and grandchildren will thank us for. Visit our website, nwf.org Louisiana, to find out more about our work to restore and protect coastal Louisiana for generations to come. National Wildlife Federation, uniting all Americans to ensure wildlife thrive in a rapidly changing world. nwf.org Louisiana. At Audubon, we believe that where birds thrive, people prosper. Nowhere is that more evident than in Louisiana. Integrating science, education, and policy, Audubon, Louisiana's mission is to conserve and restore natural ecosystems, focusing on birds, other wildlife, and their habitats, 
for the benefit of humanity and the Earth's biological diversity. Visit la.audubon.org to learn more and support our mission. la.audubon.org. Restore Retreat is a coastal nonprofit organization working in the heart of the Barataria and Terrebonne Basins, from the Mississippi River to the Atchafalaya. We work every day to restore Louisiana's coast community and culture with our mission of implementing long-term and large-scale projects for our irreplaceable region. We'll hope you join us in supporting the solution. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and online at www.restoreorretreat.org. And we're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. Today, we're discussing the fiscal year 2019 Coastal Annual Plan, and we're so excited to have Jason Lanclos, Deputy Executive Director with CPRA, on with us to discuss the plan specifically. So before the break, Jason, you were talking about um, kind of what's teed up in the plan in terms of dollars for projects and, and you know, the, the projects um, in construction. But you know, you also kind of mentioned that in previous years, there's been a significant amount of funding going towards construction. Um, just as a, a recap, I mean, CPRA has dredged 130 million cubic yards to restore or benefit 41,000, over 41,000 acres of land, um, constructed 60 miles of barrier islands and berms, improved 20, 297 miles of levees, and secured 20 billion in protection and restoration across 20 parishes. So you all have been busy in the past few years. <laughs> Am I, is that right? Yep. Jacques, we, we've been extremely busy, and, and I think, you know, just to give you some perspective, and I mean, it's something that we, we uh, that, I, that really enjoy talking about. So when, when you go back and you look at annual plans in the past, and it's something that, uh, that I've been involved in, and, you know, just I like the financial side and, and looking into the numbers, but I mean, a big project for CPRA years ago was a 20 or $30 million project. So right. I mean, as the agency was formed in 2007, you've seen a lot of those smaller projects. You know, we, we, had, we were very fortunate to get, you know, state surplus funding, we had the Coastal Impact Assistance Program, which was about a $500 million program that ended in 2017. So, I mean, those were great funding streams, and we did a lot of projects with them. But what you're seeing now is that you're, you're starting to migrate into those bigger challenge projects. So you're seeing larger projects. You're seeing more challenging projects. So, I mean, a big project for us years ago was 40 or $50 million. I mean, we're doing Barrier Island projects now that are 100 and $110 million. So, I mean, you know, these are significant efforts. They require a lot of collaboration with our partners, engineers, designers, consultants. So, I mean, it's a, it really takes a team effort to get these projects on the ground. But again, we haven't lost focus of all the projects that we're doing. We're still doing small projects. We still have funding streams that allow us to partner with federal partners. The Quipper program has been a, a great beneficiary for a lot of these areas. Uh, we were in Lake Charles last night talking about, you know, how many Quipper projects. So they had eight Quipper projects going on over there. And, I mean, there are a lot of them going on in the eastern region. So, I mean, again, the funding, we've been extremely fortunate. We've been planning and anticipating the Gulf of Mexico Energy Security Act funding to come in and also really the BP funding. You know, so, I mean, we, we spend a lot of time trying to look at the cash flow of our business to make sure that we have a good plan so when funding does come in, we can implement that plan and be nimble and really move things forward. You know, so I mean, that, that's where we are now. And I think that having an annual plan that really gets into those details and looks at those out years 
helps us to plan ahead. And that's very important for us to be successful. Yeah, I think those are really good points, Jason. You know, it's funny now that how we talk about projects, we, we talk used to talk about them in tens of millions, and now they're hundreds of millions. And it's not all that uncommon to say something might be a billion dollars worth of work. And some of those, you know, major milestones include Caminata, which is a really important project for me and my part of the world and that's for right. Jacques and, and for Audubon. Certainly, Whiskey Island is one of those uh, $100 million barrier island projects that we've gotten really, really good at, at constructing. Of course, the sediment diversions and, and Maripaw advancing are really important. Those are some of the ones that require that long lead time. Um, you know, marsh creation, which is, um, you know, instant building of, of um of land that needs to be sustained by those barrier islands. So, yeah, I mean, it is really nice to look back at some of those major milestones, but also be able to look forward and say, man, can you imagine if we're building five caminatas a year, right? Um, And and I think you and I are similar that we definitely enjoy the financing part of it too. To me, that is as tough of a puzzle to figure out and, you know, go Mesa revenues, um, trust funds, and but y'all are also doing cool things like pay for success and and working on environmental impact bonds. And so, I'm not sure we talk about finance a lot here, but I'm not sure how everybody um, knows just how complicated it is. That's a whole other job for you guys, not just to design and construct a project, but also to figure out who to pay when for what and and those That's kinds right. of things. That's right. And, and Simone, I mean, the, the majority of our work is it's a lot of grant-based funding, you know, but I mean, with the Go Mesa revenues, that's really going to provide a lot of a big boost in the arm, you know, to do some of these structural protection projects. We've been working, you know, for several years, knowing that those revenues were going to come in and, you know, to, just to have a really good plan. We spent a lot of time doing outreach with the levy districts and making sure that we understand what those priorities were. So even if we had the reduction in the Go Mesa revenues, we were still ready to say, okay, well, you know, if you had three priorities, Let's look at the top two, just to, again, to be nimble and to try to identify which projects best fit for the amount of budget that we have associated with them. You know, so, I mean, it's, it, again, the financial piece is very complicated, but, again, we have some very good people who are looking at those numbers and a very good team who puts the plan together. So it's, it's, it's all a working document, and it's something that we have to, to update and make sure that it stays live. Yeah, I mean, and, and so on a on a semi-related note, y'all y'all outreach have has been has grown and become more robust. You had the three annual plan meetings this week, but to do something like Facebook Live, y'all joined Twitter. I know that that was, I'm sure, um, a major important thing for you uh, that CPRA joined Twitter last week. But of all of, <laughs> I've been waiting on it. You've just been waiting with bated breath, right? But um, all those things are really important to the work that you know Jacques and I and and some of our colleagues do. Y'all even had the annual plan executive summary translated in Vietnamese. Mm-hmm. Um, the recreational use plan for NERDA is also in Vietnamese. So, you know, I just want to compliment you and the agency on their outreach work and, and it has made our job easier and we've been really happy to um, help you guys grow in that area and, and we're so grateful that y'all have been receptive as well. And, and we, we appreciate the partnership because, I mean, with, with partners like you and others, it really helps to get the word out because, I mean, you know, before when you did public meetings, you did a public meeting and you, you may have made a direct impact on the folks that were there. So being able to stream these meetings live and to be able to reach those folks that, you know, they may have kids or other things and other commitments that they have to do in the evenings, which we all do, but to have that opportunity to go back and watch those meetings and understand what's going on and not have to physically be there. You know, for us, reaching as many people as we possibly can is extremely important because the more people recognize how significant the problem is and what we're trying to do to address it, the more that we can rally together to try to get more things done. 
Absolutely. And I mean, just, you know, it, it, it was uh, evident in the master plan process. It's evident now in the annual plan process, just the level of transparency that you all um, operate under and, and, you know, really trying to make things accessible to people is just is incredible. And you don't see that often in, in a lot of other agencies. Um, but uh, on that note, Jason, you know, for people that may want to learn more about the annual plan, review it, um, give public comment, where can they do that? And what are the um, what's the public comment deadline? Sure. So the public comment deadline is February 14th. So, I mean, uh, you can go to our website. What a Valentine's. What a Valentine's. Yeah, what a, what a Valentine's. Here's Jack. Here are right. my comments on the annual plan. That's right. So, so get, them in by, get them in by Valentine's Day, please. And then you can email Which those, is also the day after Mardi Gras here in Louisiana, oh, Jason, gosh. by yeah, the way. So, so maybe, maybe we should shoot for the week before. <laughs> yeah. There awesome. you go. That's so you. Get your, get your comments in before Muses. <laughs> That's I like right. it. That's, that's exactly right. The coastal.la.gov is a great way to connect with us. We're also on fa- Facebook. Uh, as Simone mentioned, we're on um, Twitter as well. So, I mean, the updates that we put out, I think that they're, they're very good because it gives you an idea of some of the exciting things that we have going on. We have a, a center, a world-class center for River Studies opening next door uh, next month. So, I mean, yeah, this, gonna is, have, this is just exciting time. Yeah, we're going to have Rudy, I think, Simino back on the show. He's, he's a good guest of ours, and he might drag along Clint Wilson to talk about the Center for River Wonderful. Studies. We're really excited about that. Well, Jason, our time's almost up here, and we're very grateful for all the work that you do every day, not just all those nights this week, but we're very grateful for that. And thank you for coming on the show in particular to talk about this a little bit more. Sometimes things need a little bit more of an explanation. So, um, sure. but, but if you've listened to the show, if you're an avid listener like Chip Klein, you would know that we like to ask a fun question. Great. And so speaking of Chip Klein, he let me know that you two like to play cocktails sometimes at Our Lady of Mercy's uh, fair. Is this, that correct? That is correct. I, can, I cannot deny that. So yes, as, a, um, as a master bartender, um, the show before this one is a wine and spirit yeah. show. As a master bartender, um, what is your favorite drink to sling? Um, well, you know, it depends. At the fair, we're, we're kind of limited. We don't have the full open bar, but I, but I love to make martinis because I just think it's a fun drink. I don't necessarily drink them because I'm more of a beer guy, but my wife... I was going to say, deep down in your little heart, you're <laughs> a beer and, uh, guy. I know that. I am. I am. I am a hardcore beer guy, but I enjoy making things for other folks. So, okay, I mean, so yeah, dirty martini or not? Yeah. Yeah, well, actually, it goes into progression. You see, you start with the sweet ones, and then there are others, mm-hmm. and then you, you end with the dirty martini. That seems to be the trend, or at least that's what I'm told. It seems to work well. <laughs> well, we are grateful for your time, and we'll have to try you out on those bartending skills. Thank you, Jason. Uh, we'll fantastic. be back Thank after the. For having me. We'll be back after the break with more Delta dispatches. And we're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Audubon, Louisiana. And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore Retreat. You always do the break openings because I feel like I'm not ready, and you're always so ready for ready it. Ready with the headphones. <laughs> and yeah, well, I'm so excited about this next guest. This is someone that we have been wanting to have on Delta Dispatches from the beginning. It's like she was holding out on purpose, I think. Yeah. You know, like she wanted the build up, I think. <laughs> But she is one of the, you know, most smart, smartest, most, you know, awesome people to work with. My colleague, Cynthia Dewey, Deputy Director of Audubon, Louisiana. I've learned so much from her um, in my short time working on this issue. Um, welcome to Delta Dispatches, Cynthia. Well, thank you both, Simone and Jock. It's so nice to be with you. I, I, I talk to Cynthia literally every day of my life. I think I know? do, too. It's, <laughs> it's so 
now it's like weekends, okay. evenings. <laughs> Clean it up. We, like have this professional conversation. So we are really glad to have you on. We just had Jason from CPRA on, and and we described it as Jason is kind of the play by play guy, and he did a very very good job. And so we really want to um, talk to you and tap into your experience, extensive experience around you know state government and some things like that. But first, we want you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure, sure. Um, I am the Deputy Director for Audubon, Louisiana, and um, I work primarily on coastal policy and funding issues here in Louisiana with many great partners like you two and all of the other um, organizations, the NGOs and other outstanding partners at the Mississippi River Delta Coalition. Um, Actually, a large part of that work since 2010, since the BP oil spill, as you guys know, has been focused on educating legislators and parish leaders and coastal stakeholders on all the legal and required uses of those various funding streams coming to the state, stemming from the criminal fines and fees from the spill. So um, each year I work uh, during session and, and, and really year-round to, to educate about those streams of funding and their uses and try to train those things. Uh, it can be a bit confusing if you're not looking at it really every day. So yeah. primarily that. That's what I do. It's funny because I feel like I, there's legislative sessions, Cynthia, and then there's like outside of legislative sessions, Cynthia. And you know when the legislature's <laughs> in session, you know, you're busy, you're on the ball, you're, you know, in your zone. Um, and so we want to talk about what's coming up in the, you know, in the legislative se- session in March. But first, you've had an extensive background in state government and working on coastal yep. issues. So tell us a little bit about um, your background before Audubon. Oh, Lord. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 sadly, now, you know, I can say I've been working on this for over 20 years. But, um, you know, I started with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service in the mid-1990s. Um, she had the uniform. I did. I had the uniform. And that was not my first okay. uniform. I, so, I worked uh, for the Force I don't yeah, want to look- interrupt, but it was so funny. So Secretary of the Interior, Zinke, comes to Louisiana. Okay. I mean, this is as, as almost as important as it gets, right? And uh, so we go to Jean Lafitte and Thibodeau and we're having this like we have this great conversation with him and he, we know he, we set him up on a field trip, all this other kind of great stuff. And Cynthia, Cynthia you got to tell the story, Cynthia. Oh, well, in short, um, <laughs> you know, we had a few minutes to talk to Secretary Zinke and uh, Senator Cassidy was there, Derek Graves. You know, it was just a esteemed panel with a small group of us. And we finally get around to me and most people have really hit the high notes by this point. There were about 30 of us. And he says, oh, you know, what do you do? And blah, blah, blah. And I told him that, you know, um, we've got this green infrastructure problem and uh, multiple lines of defense and all the things that, that, that are real that we talk about. But I did I did let him know that I had worked for both U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and done a stint with the U.S. Forest Service, which were both under his purview. And I told him one one person request I'd like to make is that you uh, improve the uniforms. He just uh, it's so funny. <laughs> I mean, so just, it was, and he laughed. He thought it was so funny. It was like the, you know, the he one. He, was, he told me he was working on it. Because so <laughs> it probably hadn't changed. <laughs> but but that's just, you know, I love you. I think you know that. But that's just you in a nutshell, right? You know, you did your job and then you just nailed it with that personal connection and it made him laugh. And, you know, it, it, it's still something, obviously, that I'm well, talking about. He, that was really great. He's, so. he's a big deal and he's got a serious job but like most of those folks at that level you know what he's, he's just a person he's got a great sense of humor so it really worked out so you um, brought up you brought up garrett you've also worked for garrett yeah. when he was uh, chairman well, of cpra yeah. 
Yeah, after, after um, gosh, I, I started with DNR uh, when they were doing coastal planning back in the late 90s. And then, um, for anyone who remembers, I worked on the Coast 2050 plan. And after that, I was in Governor Foster's office, Blanco, during the oil, during the uh, hurricane. Katrina, and then um, worked for Garrett Graves and General Administration and uh, finally decided I'd, 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 done my, I'd done my civil service time and jumped out to Audubon in uh, probably just about the beginning of 2011, still doing coastal policy the whole time. So, um, yeah, I've, I've seen it firsthand, and, and uh, I've got to say my job is wonderful. And even even after doing it 20 years, it's never boring. You guys both know that. <laughs> yeah, never. Well, Cynthia, I mean, in that time and now kind of being on this side of the table, um, you know, how do you, how have you seen either coastal policy change or kind of what, you know, at this moment is exciting for you about where the state is as it relates to um, addressing coastal land loss? Um, yeah. And, yeah. 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 Um, you know, um, to be honest with you guys, unfortunately, in 2005, Hurricanes Katrina and Rita were the biggest milestones, if you will, that changed the perspective and the implementation of coastal work here. And that was not, it was not because we hadn't tried to wave the flag down here for a really long time and say, oh, you know, we're, we've got a lot of problems, we need help, we need a lot of funding. And I mean wave the flag to the federal government mostly, but that was a big change. And those disasters not only changed the face of the landscape with thousands of lives lost in the process, but it also changed the way that the state viewed and addressed coastal land loss and vulnerability. So... Um, I would say, you know, CPRA, the development of CPRA, the legislation that blended together coastal protection and restoration at the end of 2005, that was a huge milestone. Um, what I'm seeing now in terms of trends is that we're, we're, we're doing a great job with coastal projects, but I, I'm seeing a shift in the trends toward communities, vulnerability, and resiliency. So just... Just as, as an evolution um, of coastal work, you know, now now we're we're seeing um, that there's a lot of detrimental potential here in our in our landscape, and that that people are our primary concern. And I, I really hope that resiliency can be addressed in the coming years in a meaningful way. So that's that's my two cents on that. So yeah, I, I would agree with you, Cynthia. Do you think? Um you know, do you think that's reflected in things like the master plan and, and the annual plan? Or, I mean, how do you think that that comes well, to? I feel like that. Okay. So the master plan is, is, is kind of a science-based piece. Right. That shows where we can go with the limited funds that we have to implement projects that create the most bang for the buck resiliency in real time for this coastline. Um, also under the heading of the master plan um, is, is, is a vulnerability assessment, if you will. It's the, the, all the maps that show the projections of the variety of different yeah. areas of the sea level rise, right? So I think that where the, where, the, where the CPRA, where the Coastal Protection and Restoration Authority come in, is that scientific underpinning that shows here are some potential threats. But I don't know that we're totally there yet in terms of how the heck are we going to address them as a state? And I think that there are other offices within the state looking at this now. GOSEP has a responsibility. Office of Community Development has a responsibility. Agreed. You know, it's a different it's a different animal than what we've done, what, than we've looked at before. But 
But I do think a lot of eyes are on it, and, and I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that there are going to be some answers soon. So, Cynthia, um, we want to get into the topic of the day, which is the annual plan, and we want to kind of dive into, you know, what are some of the priorities for our organizations? We've got a few minutes left, um, but first, tell us, you know, what are the next steps in the process? So, they've had the public meetings, you know, what happens from here on out? Okay, well, they've had the public hearings and the public meetings. Now, CPRA is going to take those comments. They've got feedback from the public meeting. They're going to review the plan with an eye toward all those comments and concerns. Then they're going to submit the plan, they, the draft plan that they have now, to the legislature closer to session, just prior to session. It's all written the law, the time frame. And then they're going to meet with legislators and the key committees that vote on the plan, make sure the information contained in the plan is well explained, and that any and all questions regarding the plan are addressed at that time. Um, it has to be passed by four committees, four committees, and the full House and Senate before it can actually be implemented. So... There. That's a lot of people. <laughs> a lot of people That's take a, a look lot. at it. It's a lot of steps. It's a lot of people, and there's much to do. But um, usually by the end of May or or so, it's it's all it's all you know it's all finished, and the CPRA can move forward with this uh, implementation of this fiscal document with the projects associated. So, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful for the same outcome this year. There's a lot of good stuff in the plan. Okay, Cynthia, if you don't mind holding on with us through the break, we're going to take a little break, and then we want to dive into some of the details of the annual plan. Is that okay? Okay, you're listening to Delta Dispatches on 990, where we're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. There you go. You got it. it. (laughs) You got it. (laughs) We'll be back. And we're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Audubon, Louisiana. And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore or Retreat. And we have on the phone Cynthia Douay from Audubon, Louisiana. Welcome back. Welcome back. Hello. Hello. Um, So for once, Jacques was not in the field today, which, by the way, Cynthia, like every week, Jacques's on some field trip somewhere doing something amazing. But you, you, you were out and about today. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Oh, sure, sure. Um, you know, I wasn't as out and about as I would like to have been. Um, there was a there was a CPRA hosted um, a a great field trip for a number of legislators from the Natural Resources Committee, and um, well, where where I ended up, which is probably the best place to be today. I didn't make it to the Western Closure Complex, and I didn't make it to the Surge Barrier. But I did make it to lunch. Yes. And so we had a we had a great group. We hosted uh, Mississippi River Delta campaign was um, was instrumental in, in assisting um, uh, Representative Leopold and others with uh, a lunch venue um, at, at, a, at, at a stopover between those two those two field trips that they were going on. And I just can't uh, I can't say enough about field trip opportunities. If if these if these folks see it. Firsthand, um, it, it it makes a world of difference. You guys know this. It mm-hmm. makes a world of difference. You cannot know it any other way. So we did um, have some time to talk with those folks today. They were loving what they were seeing out there and really impressed with it. And I think that goes a long way. It's a testament to CPRA's work in um, getting getting legislators and others out into the field. So 
that was my day, and we we did meet in Bell Chase, and it was um, it turned out to be a pretty a pretty nice day, even with a little bit of rain here and there. So thanks for asking. And those those opportunities are important to us because as as you talked about, and, and as Jason mentioned, the legislators are a really important part of the process because it has to go to the legislature to to go through the approval. You know, whether it be up and down the whole Absolutely. process. But also, we, we ask them for other things at times. And, and I don't know if you want to talk about state surplus, but we, we have a lot of, of requests. And some, you know, committees like natural resources are, yeah. are really important to, to getting what we need. We do. We do. But, they, you know, they, they get it. i got to be honest with you. They, they really do get it. Um, not only the coastal legislators, they, they get it um, all across the board because it's a big issue. Uh, coastal, coastal land loss is a big issue. But, as you mentioned, the state surplus. Um, while there will likely be a lot of interesting bills dropped closer to session, for now I have been contemplating on these surplus dollars. Um, so many of you may know um, the Revenue Estimating Conference recognized $120 million in surplus. Very, very rare these days, right? Rare, yes. And it has to be allocated in the budget during this coming session. So what's interesting is the Coastal Protection and Restoration Trust Fund is one of the handful of funds can act, that can actually receive surplus dollars. They're one time, right? right. And so I have been just kind of knocking around the edges and asking questions. One thing that people may not understand is that during times of budget crisis like we've had over these past few years, there, is a, there, is a, there are mid-year fund sweeps that can actually affect constitutionally protected and dedicated funds. The Coastal Fund is a constitutionally protected fund, and yet $12 million has been taken out of that fund during mid-year fund sweeps since FY15. Just a little trim here, there, here, there, yeah, right? It's a few million a year and this sort of thing. And, it, you know, from, from me, for my part out here looking at this thing, the state contribution into this fund is not exactly um, – Giant. It's not gigantic. And it's all tied to mineral revenues anyway. So with the depletion of the mineral revenues, as we've all seen, a huge drop in mineral revenues, combine that with major fund sweeps, the state does have a cash flow issue, and they have a hard time with the coastal program um, taking the monies that they have that are cash in hand and using them to leverage the federal dollars coming in from the BP bill and all of these other programs that they're responsible to for the federal government, QIPRA, you know. And so I, I firmly believe that we're, 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 in a, we're in a situation where there's an opportunity to take some of these surplus dollars if the governor and the legislature find it important enough to do, which I think that most of them do, and put those dollars back into the coastal fund that were taken. Um, and we really need these projects not to slow down. We need them to be funded, speed up. This is one way to go about it. So, yeah, we're, we're asking questions about that. We're working on that. The governor's budget is going to be out on the 19th. We'll all be able to look at it, and uh, discussions go from there. So I'm really hopeful about the possibility, but thank you for asking. That's important right now to right. a bunch of us. Right. And our organizations have obviously in the past, you know, focused a lot on protecting, protecting the funding, funding. whether mm-hmm. it was through GoMesa or other, you know, attempts to to redirect coastal Absolutely. funding. And I mean, yeah. we talk about it all the time. We don't have all the funds needed to fully implement the master plan. And Sometimes these projects the are cash. urgent. Yeah, yeah, you need the cash. Well, so, and, and to be honest, a lot of the funds and this one of my primary jobs guys, every day is to educate people on the allowable uses of some of these BP dollars. 
they have strings attached. They have Absolutely. to go toward certain actions and activities. And so, yeah, we're not flush. We, we, we need more funding, and, you know, that's just the way it is. So thanks for bringing that up. Well, let's talk, let's get back a little bit to, I mean, in terms of funding, but talking about, you know, the annual plan specifically, um, in terms of what's in the annual plan, I mean, obviously, you know, Jason gave a little bit of an overview um, of of what's in it, but what are our groups really interested in? Um, What are the projects that are really important to us, um, you know, that are, that are highlights that you're really looking into right now, Cynthia? Well, sure, sure. Um, So, you know, from the Mississippi River Delta Coalition perspective, and you guys know this, but I'm not talking to you two, right? <laughs> uh, we, we, have, um, we have some priority projects. They're all restoration projects because we're environmental entities. So in this plan, what's teed up for the next couple of years, includes um, toward the east, the mid-veritarian sediment diversion is highlighted in this plan, which is great news. It looks like there's some anticipated funding for construction construction that may be designated even by FY2020. So that's that's really good news for those of us who support diversions and understand their importance. There's also mid uh, mid Breton sediment diversion that's that's following a similar timeline. So that's really a good thing. Um, there's New Orleans East Land Bridge restoration project. It's very a small snippet of that, and then. Um, there's a, there's a segment of the large-scale Baratarium Marsh Creation Project, and that's all toward the east. In the home area, My we peeps. have... Shout out. Well, shout out. Shout out. You're yes, like an honorary Terrebonne person, though. I feel like you know those guys, and they, they would do. accept I love, you. I love it over there. I, I, I swear if I could live anywhere else, it would be home Terrebonne region. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I shouldn't say that because I shouldn't so Uh-huh. 70360. Oh. <laughs> I've worked with them for years. But anyway... The large-scale, um, the, I'm sorry, continued development of your, your you know, increased Chapalaya flow yep. into Terrebonne. That project is moving forward, and there are a couple of ridge restoration projects that they're really important. They're really important in that the construct of the five fingers, you know. Yeah, the skeleton. The yep. And so, um, and then further west, which I also uh, have an affinity for because of our property, Calcasieu Ship Channel, the salinity control structure, is, is, it looks like there's a lot of funding and support and advancement there, and I'm, I'm really excited about that. And there are a couple of marsh creation projects out there. So the, the plan did a good job of spreading um, out projects across, you know, from the Sabine to the Pearl, and uh, there's a little something in there for everyone. So I, I think it does a good job. But for us, these are some of the key projects at the Mississippi River Delta Coalition that that we strongly support, and we're thrilled to see them advancing. So, well, that's great, yeah. Cynthia. And, you know, I mean, we'd love to have you back on as we get closer to session, you know, maybe get an update in session, hear how the surplus um, dollars, you know, is, go- is going. We're almost out of time. It goes so quickly. But I have to ask you a fun question because it's a Delta Dispatches okay. tradition. So what is your favorite museum in Washington, D.C.? My favorite museum in yes. Washington, D.C.? Well, Maybe one we visited together. It's a spy museum. I've visited several museums. I'm not saying this because I've only been to the spy museum, but if you'd like to look at an old James Bond car or I love thinking about you two as spies. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, it was yeah. a it was a great afternoon when we had a free afternoon in DC. So highly recommend it, Cynthia Duet. Thank you so much for thank being you, on. Um, we'll, we'll have you back. You and you've been listening to Delta Dispatches. We'll see you next week. <laughs>